Welcome to Leo Rising, a living tarot and creative intuition podcast. Here we'll have a conversational exploration of tarot, personal and spiritual growth, and identity formation. It's less of a how-to and more of a come along on the journey with me. I'll process stories from my life, both from the past and from the current moments that I'm moving through, to give listeners things to think about in their own journey. I'll also be introducing you to wonderful humans who are exploring these topics in their lives, either personally, professionally, or both. So my name is Jenna Fox, and I'm an educator, writer, tarot reader, Reiki master, and queer mystical mama. What I'm not is an expert. So if you're a seeker, if you've got a curious mind or are interested in esoteric topics, then this is the podcast for you. And I'm so excited to have you on the journey. Let's get started, shall we? Today is Friday the 13th, and I thought, what better way to celebrate than to release a podcast on the High Priestess early to celebrate this day of the goddess? One of the tarot cards that I most deeply resonate with is that of the High Priestess. And in the Major Arcana journey from 1 to 21, with Zero being the fool who travels through the journey, the High Priestess comes as card number two. And of all of the cards in the entire 78 deck, the High Priestess and the Empress are actually two cards that I feel really embody feminine energy. And, you know, I'm trying to stay away from looking at things in a really binary way. However, when I see the High Priestess and when I see the Empress cards, it invokes in me or evokes in me this feeling of femininity that is deeply resonative with me and is something that I would like to explore more in translating to how does that work with people who don't identify as women or as female. But for the purpose of today, I want to talk through the High Priestess card and how it's sort of showing up in my life right now. So let's start with the actual traditional imagery. Much like the image of Mother Mary, the High Priestess is a woman sitting on a throne facing the camera. So she's looking directly at us, the querent, or us, the reader. Um, because I live in the age of social media, I always think about it as like she's posing for a picture and she's looking directly at the camera. She's not being sidetracked by anything else, right? Not looking to the past, not looking to the future. It's definitely sort of like I would love it if somebody could create a selfie tarot deck um, and give me a little credit on that, right? <laughs> so a selfie deck, right, where she's looking directly into the camera. So the image of this woman is looking straight on into the camera and she is wearing this beautiful flowing blue garment. Her hair is veiled um, and so there's where I get a lot of that Mother Mary imagery because it reminds me of a lot of the Catholic um, icons. and. So we have this woman clothed, robed in blue, and on her head is a crown that is um, a full moon and two crescent moons on the side. 
Now, one of the things that I've been doing with tarot cards is really trying to just look at them from my own intuition and experience and only doing sort of the bare basic minimum of Googling all the different meanings and going into the different symbols because I'm trying to connect with what this actual High Priestess card is asking me to do, which is to tap into my own wisdom and my own intuition that I do, in fact, understand a lot of the things that are going on in these cards without having to go to outside sources. So there's two things that I notice about the crown, and one of them is that it reminds me really of the goddess Isis, the Egyptian goddess Isis that I had learned about in um, school. So I had the privilege of being in um, an English class when I was in high school. So instead of the standard um, American sort of like ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade English, I went to a school that really valued having elective choices. And so we had to pick English classes, but there was a variety of different topics. And so one of the classes that I picked when I was in 10th grade was Myth and the Modern Hero. And so this is, again, really where I experienced learning about the hero's journey as a concept very explicitly, rather than just kind of absorbing it from books and movies that I had seen. Actually, more books, because I wasn't really allowed to watch movies. So in high school in this class, I did a project on ancient Egypt because we were supposed to be learning about mythology. And so that's where the image of this crown, which almost looks like two horns holding a moon, comes in. So Isis, the goddess of life, she's like the mother goddess in Egypt. However, in studying the moon myself in the last couple of months, I've also started to see in the high priestess image that the moon, that, that what looks like the horns on either side of the full moon in the middle are actually or could actually be interpreted as the waning and waxing moons and that it's the full cycle of moons incorporated on the crown that she wears on her head. So I feel that that is really beautiful because as I look at this High Priestess card and I understand the imagery and the symbolism to mean the deep inner knowing wisdom, feminine badass intuition that I have that I possess and that I actually believe everyone possesses if we're able to tap into it. It encompasses the entire lifespan of the moon in those three images. So the moon is a card and is, is um, a planet. It's not a planet, but it's a planetary body um, that is really impactful to us here on the earth. And the moon doesn't really know. I mean, I imagine that the moon doesn't really know the impact that she is having on our day-to-day -day lives. So she is in, um, in charge of the tides, right? So the rising and falling waters. If you have a menstrual cycle, it can be really synced up with the moon. In times before all the lights that we have of cities, um, People who have menstrual cycles would actually find that they would all bleed around the same time and it was really linked with the moon. So the moon is a really powerful image. 
not only in this high priestess card is there the moon but there's also the duality of the two columns so there's a column that's in black and a column that's in white and in the minimal googling that i've done and looking at sources like tarot.com and biddy tarot and eclectic tarot online the the two columns are representative of the gates of Solomon and I didn't do any further research on that because for me when I see the black column and the white column to me it's showing sort of that idea of yin and yang the duality that all is encompassed within this card in her hand is um, a scroll and it looks to say Torah um, there again in the minimal googling that I've done it also could say um, tarot right um, but there's this idea of holding and possessing sort of sacred knowledge wisdom that's been written down or passed down um, and that she is in she's in charge of that she's holding it in her hand and behind her is really a lot of imagery of pomegranates which are all about life and fertility so the high priestess is a card that terrifies me and but terrifies me in this most delicious way because it is really a getting back to a deep tapping into an understanding of going back to whatever source of inspiration, of knowledge, of wisdom, of intuition, a deep understanding of myself and the world and the things around me in a way that I can't always explain with logic and rationality. Um, it's like the unconscious, right? It's the, it's the stuff that's under the tip of the iceberg that we can see. And so it's sometimes actually hard to put into language. Whereas the Empress is supposed to be kind of more of that outward expression of feminine um, energy nurturing, this High Priestess energy seems to be that really within the mysterious and tapping into all of that that lives inside me. As an introvert, I can really relate and love that, right? I feel sometimes like if I'm not careful, I can be lost in the entire universe that exists within my own self and forget to kind of look at the outside world. So how is this card coming up in my life right now? Well, I've been really pondering as I look in the outside world and I'm active on social media and I try to, you know, be a mindful consumer of the news and engage with um, conversations that are happening in the world. And one of the things that happened to me in the last week was coming across a podcast and I'm not into um, calling out. And I don't know this person to do any type of calling in. I really struggle with call out culture. And I also really struggle with being called in, having been um, approached recently by some somebody um, who asked me to stop sharing in a certain way. And I, um, I felt really hurt by it. And as it has settled down, um, I have come to realize that like it's totally fine and everything is fine but initially I was very deeply hurt um, because even though I'm a Sagittarius and a Leo rising um, I have this sensitive nature of feeling like um, I'm I'm never wanting to offend or hurt people and I also don't want um, to be restricted in lots of ways because it makes me feel like I am bad or wrong and it kind of brings up some of my own 
traumatic experiences of growing up and feeling like my way of being in the world was less than. But anyway, I came across this podcast, which I absolutely love. And the topic was all about Kali, the goddess Kali. And, and it was about like harnessing the power of Kali. And so if you're not familiar, Kali is the goddess of death um, and I believe even rebirth um, because death and rebirth are so intertwined. But in the image of the image of Kali, she's a Hindu goddess and she is like this feminine badass, right? She has a skull, um, a necklace of skulls around her, um, around her neck and she's just very fierce and um, isn't that sort of shy, demure, you know, blonde. And like just like quiet and meek energy she's she's very powerful um, and transformative and when I lived in India I was actually able to go and visit a temple to Kali which could have been more transformative for me and more powerful for me if I hadn't been so afraid um, and going there with um, some other pretty conservative Christians so, which is, I think, interesting reflecting back on that experience of seeing how that fear of Kali is still so present um, and not necessarily just the fear of that particular experience, but just the fear of fierce femininity um, and all that it can encompass is actually deeply terrifying to a lot of people. So how does this relate to the High Priestess card? Well, I've been thinking about my own intuition and my own wisdom and my own um, spiritual journey and tapping into, and when I say my own, I don't mean that I own it um, because I think that there's so much like individualism in the world and that's not, I feel like it's my, my, my plug-in cord to the ultimate source of information, right? Like we're in the airport and there's a whole wall of USB ports and we're going to go charge our cell phones and I'm plugging my cell phone in. It's my USB charger that's being plugged into this wall of source, not that I own the source. So I was thinking about this, I want to use the word obsession, with Indian goddesses and gods and my own sort of curiosity and fascination with the system of Hinduism, um, having lived in India and this sort of in the spiritual community with, which is overwhelmingly white women, this exploration of how do we connect with divine femininity and the divine femininity that is often used is Indian goddesses. And so I've just been thinking about that of how is that um, cultural appropriation, yes, in so many ways, right, and fetish, fetishizing, fetishizing, um, creating a fetish out of another culture's goddess goddess worship without taking all of the other pieces of that. And as I was reflecting on that, it started to sink into me about my own journey in this last year of really diving into my own cultural ancestry and trying to find points of connection to my history. 
I was actually really shocked when I did a 23andMe test, um, and I've done several other DNA tests. I was actually really surprised when I learned about how much um, UK, British Isles, Ireland, Scotland, um, England, um, how much um, ancestry I have from a place that I kind of had originally just sort of written off as like, meh, you know, not that interesting. And when I realized, okay, I have Irish ancestry, I have Scottish ancestry, I knew that I had Scandinavian Norwegian ancestry, now I've learned that I have French and Czechoslovakian and possibly some, you know, deep Russian roots and Hungarian and some of these Eastern European traditions. I have been going back in this last year and really examining what can I learn, what can I take away from those cultures, my cultures, that are actually the same lessons that I had been trying to get or that I see other people trying to get from the goddesses that exist in Indian culture. And it makes me wonder if, because so many of us are kind of like cultural orphans and we've been taught, well, at least for me, I'll speak from my perspective, having been taught Christianity was the true way, the real way, the logical, factual, historical fact way, that it was actually, I think, a a stumbling block, a roadblock for me to even, even explore the myths of the Norse gods and goddesses or, you know, Celtic myths or Hungarian stories, because in my brain, I was like, well, that's not historical fact. And it's hard for me to connect to something, you know, um, an image of like a white goddess that's a Celtic or Norwegian, right? And because I know that that's not historical fact. But easier for me to say, well, let me kind of explore this brown goddess because I don't, it never was expected for it to be historical fact. It can hit in a different way that isn't um, the expectations of my strict Christian upbringing. So I've been thinking about that. In the last year, I have done a lot of research and read a lot of books. I did this reading challenge and I ended up reading three books on Norse mythology. And I'm still um, actually reading on um, different Norse traditions um, around herbalism and tincture making and different spell crafts and stuff like that. But I was actually shocked to discover that within the traditions that my family comes from, there are representations of that same fierce divine feminine energy as there is in the Hindu tradition. And maybe that sounds silly to be like, well, you didn't know that Freya was the goddess of life and death and war, but I didn't know that because so early on in my life, I had cut away that as even something that I could even explore as being true because growing up, it didn't have any truth to it as far as historical fact. Even looking at Greek and Roman myths, right, which are closer to my own heritage than Hindu um, Indian myths, it's 
still those those I wrote up up they don't have any meaning to me right this no there's no meaning to that right because Christianity came and said oh you know get rid of this and that and the other thing and despite the fact that Christianity actually took a lot and translated a lot through the experience of those myths so here I am in 2018 <laughs> learning stories and trying to connect with the divine feminine within myself but within the ancestral line that I come from. So I've done a little research on the Morrigan, which is Celtic, and I've really um, just been exploring some of the Norse mythology, like Freya. So I have this cat skull tattoo that I got this year because Freya, as the goddess of, of life, death, and war, she had a chariot pulled by cats. And so I thought it was really fitting to have this cat skull with crystals and a moon on it because it reminded me of sort of that deep connection to my own ancestry and that divine feminine line that comes directly from my blood lineage. So the High Priestess is a card that has been coming up and I feel really deeply connected to, and yet it leaves sometimes more questions than answers. Um, but that's okay. When I look at her sitting there on the throne, I'm not asked to move quickly, right? I'm more asked to just sit still and experience. Um, and of course, the Rider Smith weight tarot is not the only deck that has the high priestess, right? And every deck interprets it a little bit differently. So my favorite Shadowscapes deck, um, the image of the high priestess, she has her wings outspread and she's she's um, actually much more gender neutral looking. Um, and there's an owl flying below. And it's a card I don't actually resonate with quite as much as in the traditional deck. I still resonate with the energy behind it, um, but there's just something about that quiet stillness of sitting and that in the sitting there is so much power and wisdom and so much clarity and presence as she looks at us, the querent, and she just has it all within her and there's no, there's no need to rush and there's no need to be frantic and there's no need to... Um, be afraid or feel like we don't have that access to all of that deep, untapped wisdom. So that's what's been coming up for me around the High Priestess card in the last couple of weeks is really saying, where can I tap into this inside myself? And then as I plug into myself and my own USB port to the source, where can I connect with the lineage? of this card within my own tradition of ethnicity and where my family comes from. How can I tap into that same gorgeous, scary, terrifying, beautiful, powerful, feminine energy? So my question for you this week is, what does this bring up for you as we explore the card of the High Priestess? Um, can you resonate with it at all? And if you can, or if you have questions, I would love for you to reach out to me and ask. This is best done as a dialogue and not just a Jenna monologue. 
So I'm at Leo Rising Tarot on Instagram or send me an email, leorisingtarot at gmail.com. I would love to hear your thoughts. Until next time. Hey friends, thanks for listening to Leo Rising, a tarot and creative intuition podcast. As of January 2021, this podcast and all of the information is archived. So feel free to listen to the episodes. The wisdom of the tarot is everlasting. But much of the information about um, booking a reading from people has changed in the last couple of years. So know that there isn't a tarot um, Instagram account or email address or way to get a hold of me for readings at this point. And of course, I will update that in the future if it changes.